Hello and welcome to Access Chat. I'm delighted to be joined by one of my colleagues today, John Hicks. Um, Antonio is not with us, he's at Portugal at the Web Summit. Um, but John, welcome. Um, for, 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 for those that don't know you, um, please sort of introduce yourself a little bit and, and we'd love to know your background. Obviously, I know some of it, but we'd love to know how you sort of ended up working in accessibility before you ended up working for me. Commiserations on that. Um, so, yeah, please <laughs> tell, us, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, thanks, Neil. Uh, thanks, Deborah. Nice to be here. Um, well, I'm a British-American uh, guy who sort of moved around a lot and ended up in France about 20 years ago where I uh, stumbled into the, the field of accessibility. And this is in 2003. This is pretty early days, especially in, in terms of, uh, of what's going on in France. So um, that was preceded by odd jobs as uh, I worked for the uh, Herald Tribune newspaper. <laughs> I worked for a rather funny real estate company, which could have become the Airbnb of, of uh, Europe if they had to played their cards right um and before that i was in edinburgh university doing a phd in the center of cognitive science with john oberlander and richard shilcock so it's quite a long story going back um when i got into the accessibility field it was with a company called erbilog they're based in lille and um at that time we were only about 12 people i think um, my job was as a developer. We were developing testing tools. These testing tools were actually really ahead of their time. In fact, I'm, I'm very tempted to pull out my old PC and, and try to get that code because uh, the, the gentleman who, who created this, his name is Michel Owell, uh, a genius, really. And um, he was basically using expert. He was using AI stuff in 2003 to create a very, very rigorous testing functions. So um, that, that was work for ABM, uh, IBM, and then we had a lot of work with France Telecom. So I went from being a Java hacker to doing more audits and then doing more customer stuff. It's been a long road, um, and there's been a lot of stuff inside it. So uh, I don't know. I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. In a uh, I'm sure we'll no, go down. <laughs> Well, we do we do love rabbit holes, and and, and um, I guess one of the sort of fascinating things for me is you know learning about the French approach to accessibility and the cultural differences. I mean, okay, we work for a French company, but but the the larger sort of French accessibility ecosystem is is something that. I'm sure our audience are really keen to know about because what often gets talked about is the sort of the British and American accessibility world. So, so what are some of the things that you would consider to be different and unique in, in, in France when in terms of the approach and, and, and then maybe we can think about how things have progressed over time as well? Because I think there have been quite a lot of positive movements of late. Yeah. Um, in in some ways, France has actually been really ahead of the game. You know, um, 
I mean, like I said, I joined that company in 2003, Erbilog. And in 2005 in France, Article 47 was published. Article 47, it was the law which established that digital accessibility was important and was required by law. And here we were thinking, oh, this is good. <laughs> you know, here's, the business is really going to take off. Things are going to get good. Um, people are going to start doing this work. 2005. It, it wasn't actually applied. That's the, the term in, in France for when you take a law and you actually sort of do something with it until uh, 2009. And then, of course, it's been very slow. They still have the law. It's called the RGAA now. Um, and it's connected to something. And this is why I say they're, they're quite ahead of their time. The, the law is actually collected, connected to a, a, rule, a rule set. So we actually have a, a methodology um, which is concrete. You know, it's got 106 criteria. And... Um, and they, is part of the, uh, you know, whereas WCAG doesn't have that. WCAG, I mean, you've got the checkpoint of the, um, the success criteria, etc. But it's not the same as having a very rigorous uh, uh, set of criteria. So France is very ahead. Same time in European countries. Uh, last year, well, this year actually, there was, of course, the, uh, the EU summary of accessibility, and I think France, along with Ireland, were, were the two countries that didn't respond. You know, so you have all of this data. It might, be, uh, it might be Portugal. Sorry, I don't want to. Um, I don't want to accuse anyone wrongly. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of background noise from somewhere. I don't know where that's coming from. Is that? Um, it might have been me. Ah. Uh, but anyway, France was one of the countries that didn't send in any statistics. Uh, so it it's at the same time ahead of itself and way behind the crowd. Um, what to say? But it, it's an interesting situation. And in terms of commercially, uh, it's really been the domain in France of, of small companies. So there's about 10 medium-sized businesses who are doing a lot of accessibility work here. Um John, John, I I find it interesting what you were saying about you know France and you know how, how they were doing it as opposed to the, with the standards, the WCAG standards. But another thing that France did, I actually talked about it in my second book, um, that I I just was very impressed that they did that. So I just want to bring this up. And this was once again, this is about ten maybe more years ago. But the France had put out like many countries, they had said we expect you to hire people with disabilities. And so they have a quota and yeah. what was happening. And, and if you did not uh, meet your goals, what you did was you had to pay money into a fund that benefited people with disabilities. And there are other countries that have done that, but y'all had a very, I should say France, I won't give you France, John, but France had sort of, um, it was a sophisticated thing, but most of the businesses were not meeting the goals. So they were just paying the fines. They were just paying it. And then um, France um, got somebody in the government got really smart, said maybe they would actually do this if we taught them how to do it. So they started providing training and support to the businesses. And now the numbers of businesses hiring people with disabilities in France is very high. So mm -hmm. I thought that was 
I thought that was a really good thing France did. And I don't know, because I haven't done my homework, if whether or not that has continued to be a best practice. But I did point it out as a best practice because you actually do need to teach employers how to do this at some point. I mean, yeah. we can't just assume everybody knows what's going on. So I also see think that France has showed leadership, but as you said, it seems sometimes inconsistent, like I can talk in the U.S., but okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's it's still in existence. And in fact, uh, most of the work I've been doing for the last 12 years has been based on that because not only was there the fine and then the, de the decision, well, that we could sort of include trading. There was also a, a, um, a mechanism that was set up. It's like, okay, you don't actually have to pay the fine as long as you use the money internally uh, for, right. You're right. for um, remediation of, and, and a lot of that was training also, but it was certainly, it was also a lot of, of, of mise on accessibility, as they say, or making things accessible. So, for example, a lot of the work I did with Erbilog in about 2008, 9, 10, um, was with France Telecom, where they, you know, they had blind operators on on. Um, on the uh what do you call them plateau uh, in the, in the call centers uh, and you know we were we were working on draw scripts for their uh they had a lot of old applications you know this was a sort of i think telephony is is that area where you know the past met the future in around 2005 2010 and they had these old sort of you know repartiter these like little systems you know the applications that were running these things were really clunky they weren't web apps in a lot of them and then we had to do a lot of draw scripting um and and that was all funded by this six percent you know the company was meant to have six percent uh employees with an official disability and if they were shy of that number they had to pay into a fund and then it was decided well they could you can pay into the, your own fund as long as the money gets spent on remediation right. Yeah. Which is smart. That must have been very good for the accessibility field in France. Well, so. yeah. Well, it's still, you know, like I said, it, it was very much dominated by a, a few small enterprises. Okay. Um, and it was a field, it was always a field that was always about to take off, you know. Was, oh, I know. And, and I, I'll start to death doing this off. work. Yeah. I will, I, yeah. I agree. People just don't want to pay for social good, but I'm hoping that's changing now. But yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, that's been an issue. Well, my my point of view, and that's also uh, all, all along the line, in uh, um, that uh, you know when you're when you're talking about an enterprise, especially if it's large, uh, you know, accessibility is it's kind of a metric of health. So if you're if if your company is healthy, then it's sort of tools and websites and whatever else uh, it, it does will be accessible simply because it's a sign that you've had that uh, ability. You, you know, you've had that kind of situation where you can actually address these things. Um, and I think that argument does help also to sell it because you say, look, it's, if, if you are, if your organization was healthy, it would be pretty much hundred percent accessible. Therefore, if you make it 100% accessible, you probably make it healthy. Now, there's a little bit of a logical flaw there, but, um, you know. But it's a fascinating statement. I've never heard anybody say that, but you were right. It is really? a symbol of health for these employers. It is. I know employers always want to be the employer of choice, 
Well, yeah. if you're healthy and you're making sure that you're including diverse workforce, that that's a very I think that's a very powerful thing. Yeah, yeah, In including and also spreading the message by by acting, you know. So mm -hmm. um And telling us what you're doing, please don't make us guess, we will guess wrong, and we might <laughs> guess in a way that is not advantageous to your brand. So right, um, right. I think that's a quote. You accessibility is a symbol of health. So uh that's that's a yeah. that's a retreatable, tweetable thing. But it's it's not new also in the sense that you know they've always said like you can always see the um the, the the essence of a society can be seen in how they how society treats people with disabilities. I agree. The most vulnerable. So John, why did you join Atos? I mean Atos is a French company and I mean I know we all want to work with Neil but it's <laughs> yeah it, it it seems like it was a a pretty big shift for you. So can I just say careful what you wish for? <laughs> yeah. yeah you know um I was approached uh uh it was it was about a year ago. Well, actually, over a year ago. It took a it took a while. I mean, I was I was time for me to change. I'd been in with the same people for about twenty. Well, at that point, eighteen years. Um, you know, so it was a good moment. Um, also, uh, interesting for my job because uh, Erbilog, who um, I mean, they're still around and they're they're a very strong company on the scene. Um, they're based in Lille, and I was in Paris, so. I was doing a lot of the work for clients in Paris and a great number of excellent clients, actually. Um, uh, so, yeah, actually, it was it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy decision to make, uh, especially so having talked to Neil a couple of times. And I, I realized what a sort of wild guy he was. <laughs> Not sure I could handle him. <laughs> so no, true. But, no, there was actually, um, you know, like I. Like I was saying, I, I think there's something in accessibility which goes beyond uh, its obviously it's of social benefit to a large number of people, and that's already a positive. But I see it really as something that can have a much greater impact in organisations and between organisations. And in particular, I was very interested in this international team that Neil has been building and is still building. I agree, uh, and it's it's really quite wonderful, you know. The, uh, I mean, we've almost got used to it now, but um, it is quite amazing to be, you know, on these on these international calls every week and uh, with with a team which is spreading from, you know, India uh, to to Cork and 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 soon across the Atlantic to to the USA, if 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 I gather. So um, I know I keep applying, and he he won't accept my resume. It's so weird. No. No, I, I <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't think why. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 um, I think uh, very much like having that international uh, team and the, the perspectives that everyone brings. It's, you know, it's it's there's there's some real diversity within the team as well. So and diversity of thought and attitudes and approaches. So so that gives us a richness which I really like. Um going back to sort of France being ahead, uh, you know, I was just thinking about Minitel. Right. Yeah. I remember, yeah, French had the sort of precursor to the internet, these little boxes where you could uh order, you know, you could do lots of the sort of shopping and uh and sort of order tickets and do a lot of functions really early on. Um, so I, yeah, I think Minitel, that, it was it was just shutting yeah. down as I arrived, so I don't have any personal 
memories of Minitel. I remember growing up. Yeah, I remember growing up and spending a a summer on a farm in Vendée and they had this little box in the corner and it was like this curious thing and they were able to order all of these things up in the middle of Vendée. Mm. There's not a lot in the Vendée. (laughs) So... um, so yeah, it was it was it was interesting. So yeah, France does you know a, a lot of innovative stuff, and you know, as an organisation, we're doing things like quantum computing and so on. And I think that 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 part of the interest, I think that that attracts people to large organisations, whether it be ours or you know others like us, is that opportunity to sort of the diversity of of things that go on. So it's not like you're doing one thing all day long um you know there's there's lots of different aspects and elements to to the role um, well sometimes i, 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 I yeah. even miss i even miss doing one thing all day long actually the great challenge for me and 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 that's i think is still the case is, is it's a, such a big organization and so it's really the case where you know it's not just about selling accessibility or 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 preaching accessibility to the outside. You've got to do it in both directions. And I think that sort of double directionality is is, is quite interesting because um, uh, I, I think that's a sort of essential, uh, you know, it's an essential human quality also. You've got, to, you've got to introspect and you've also got to express and you can't do a lot of either one at the expense of the other. You've got to always be balanced. There. And I think there's a, there's a kind of interesting... Um, interesting macrocosm available in in atos right now oh yeah i agree and and i would i would go back to um neil i'm sorry i'm going to shift it again because i want to go back to that international team and the reason why i want to go back to that is because countries are different from each other i know that's a new concept but countries are different from each other and so what i see is often accessibility professionals and disability inclusion professionals all want to do it in their country. This is how we do it in the States. Y'all all need to behave and do it just like we do. And we, yeah. But I mean, the reality is if you don't have an international team addressing these global issues, you're missing major nuances and cultural nuances. And, uh, and so I find it interesting that so many of the big multinational brands only have if they have accessibility at all, they have a tiny little pocket of mainly Westerners. But so I think we're that's one reason why I've been fascinated watching Neil and the team and what you're doing, because Neil isn't just going and getting people that have accessibility experience. He's actually getting people that have strategy experience. I mean, you understand the bigger concept of all of these moving parts and everything that's involved with it. Like what we were saying about, we're talking about accessibility, but we can't talk about that without talking about disability inclusion employment, right? So I I agree, Francis, ahead in some ways, and I think it's very interesting. But at the same time, it feels to me like brands need to look at what ATOS is doing. Neil, what you're doing. Sorry to compliment y'all. Insult you in a few minutes. But the reality is we cannot just decide that there's one size that fits all. And I feel, feel like we're doing that. And in the States, we're suing the brands. And I'm glad. I'm sorry. 
Right? We need to sue. If you're not going to include us at this point when we're, what, 33 years, 34 years in the Americans with Disabilities Act, we're going to sue you. Yeah. But does that create change? Does that really create change? And so I'm glad that, John, you were in the French you know, community figuring this out and working with the accessibility people there. And now you've joined this brand. And I don't know if you were just looking at France or you're because I it, it appears that Neil is putting people in section like Spanish and I, I don't know, but are you focused on Europe? Um, but I'm just fascinated with that part because that is what we're not doing. It isn't a one size fits all, even though we got to follow the standards and all that stuff. But um, yeah, so I'll be quiet and let you. Well, um, um, it's actually. Uh, I mean, like you had the ADA uh, in the States and then, of course, in France, it, it was 1975 where they had this like the, the law, uh, the law against discrimination, which was which was fascinating uh, and as, as a sort of starting point for this evolution, you know. And like I said, then the, with, with 2005, 2009, 2019, the, the, the law changes. Um, the situation in France for a group like Atos, um, because Atos was obviously via Neil and, and a, f a few of the colleagues, um, Jim, I, I believe, and, uh, and others in the UK, um, been working on accessibility for, for many years, over 10 years, uh, almost 20. That's what, what I gather. Um, in France, Atos France, uh, is, is sort of really just beginning, uh, to work on this subject and it's a delicate situation because in france uh like i said there's a the market is is um full of uh small to medium-sized businesses who've been doing it for 20 years so they are very very wary of, of big groups coming in and and uh whatever you know deciding to suddenly get active on it i think it's uh, it's an interesting situation in in that sense um which, you know, it's a challenge also because accessibility at the end of the day uh, is is more about cooperation than competition. So, for example, uh, I'm still working. I just had a, 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 a um, not an interview, but a, a sort of business call yesterday with with not a former colleague, but someone from another company who I used to work with, who Neil already works with a bit you know, work, working on, on, on different projects together. This is something which I think is very important in France. It's a kind of the fraternity, as they say, or sorority, as it probably should be in this day and age. Um, and along with that is a very interesting uh, militancy. As you all know, France is big on strikes. France is big on um, pop popular political expression, which I, I really love. I think that's a great... And especially in the community, um, the, the accessibility community. So uh, one of the previous clients I had in my last job, we were working on, uh, it was, a, it was an, uh, a mobile app for a bank. Um, and, you know, there was, a, there was an iOS, there was an iOS update which broke the, uh, which broke the login for people who were using screen readers. And the, the sort of, the, the, the Twitter the Twitter network, the 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 blogs, they just went they just went crazy. Why oh, you guys didn't prepare for this? You don't know how to do anything. You're letting us down. Uh, it's very it's very polemic. Uh, it's very strong. So you have it's kind of a interesting.
place to be. I, I find. So, so I, I, I do agree that, that often as a large organization, small organizations fear that we're going to come along and eat their lunch. And uh, at the same time, I, I, you know, and, and we wish to, you know, grow our capacity and, you know, do business in accessibility. But I think there is enough room in inaccessibility for small consultancies and large organizations, because actually some of the things that we're doing are addressing different needs. Yeah, um, and, sure. and, and, and I also think that it's really desirable and it's part of our sort of ethos to, to collaborate right up to the line of competition. You know, it, it is the same in the UK. There are people that we, um, that we work with in certain concepts and we compete with in others. And I think that actually that's, that's kind of writ large in the IT industry to, to a certain extent, but, but absolutely exemplified by accessibility because if you're in this for a long time, it means you're, you're bought into the culture of wanting to include people. And, and, and therefore, you know, that means that you're, you're going to innately want to collaborate with people because we're stronger doing this together. We can move the needle forward further by collaborating wherever we can rather than, rather than competing. Um, so, so we, you know, we, we participate in things like the IAAP with people that we compete with in other areas and we sponsor, um, sort of, uh, you know, uh, exhibitions and, um, gosh, I've lost the word. There's my ADHD kicking in, um, <laughs> webinars and stuff like that, that, you know, you, you possibly wouldn't find Apple sponsoring a Microsoft podcast or something or, uh, you know, an event in the same way that, that we do collaborate in, in accessibility. So I think that, that there is that need for that fraternity, that sorority or whatever. And, and I wouldn't want to undermine that in any way, but I fully understand that small organizations quite frequently look at larger ones and, and think you're just going to roll us over. And I think there is some, responsibility on the part of the, the larger organizations to respect the work that, that these organizations are doing and to, to, to collaborate as far as we can. Yes, which is a great, great point. But I, and I am a small organization. So um, yes, I totally agree. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm hearing um, often from the multinationals that um, they're nervous about working with the small players because they find, and I will be honest, most of these comments have been from the states. So they find that um, what I'm hearing is that, you know, they don't think always the small providers understand the, enormal, the, the enormous, the enormity of what a large multinational corporation has to go through. the Just the sheer volume. I remember years ago, years ago, when it was, I had tech access, um, we were working with Circuit City, which people might maybe remember, but, um, and they had a million pages. And I remember thinking a million, wow. Well, I guess that's nothing these days. I guess that's just nothing these days. How many pages does Amazon have on the internet? You know, so 
just the sheer volume of it all. But I agree 100% with what um, what Neil was saying in that and what you're saying as well, John. We don't need to roll over the small businesses because we do have a place to play and we do have leadership. But I do worry sometimes that um, some of the smaller players, they don't understand the complexity, the bureaucracy even of, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on in these large multinational corporations. And now, one more yeah. thing, John, now, you know, the valuable 500, which, you know, Neil's sitting on the board and we love what they're doing, but they're supposed to get 500 corporations, truly including us, accessibly, disability inclusion. Now, can't do it alone, but as people look at our community and do try, the brands try to include us, I think there's a lot of moving parts that have to be considered. Let me let you talk, John. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Deborah. And uh, it's for me, it's one of the fascinating things about this field. Um, well, any field. I mean, the field that Coming from small from a small business and going into the corporate thing, and I, I did this before Atos. I mean, I used my clients. You know, I was working for a small company in France, but the clients were were big, and I think it's a very human thing because you know, it, it, whatever you study, whatever you do, uh, you know, you have a certain concept of how long it takes for something to happen, uh, and so for example, well, all I need to do is is change a few titles on this web page. Um, it was going to take me, it would take me five minutes if I could do it myself. But if I have to ask my colleague to do it, I figure it might take an hour. Maybe I'll have to work with him. And then when you don't realize is that in, in the context of a, of a large corporation, it's, we might be talking about five days or five weeks or five months because things need to be validated and this and that, or you don't even know who the right person is to talk to. And that's, I think, one of the, <coughs> another big difference, another big thing in like a company uh, such as this one, where, you know, you really get a new kind of schooling in that, you know, some things take a long time. And actually, it's not always for bad reasons. OK, there is sometimes bureaucracy. You think this is pointless, waste of uh, time, inefficiency. Uh, sometimes it's for very good reasons. I mean, you know, take a company like Airbus or whatever. You don't want to go changing designs just like that. Um, so. That, that for me is something that it's, it's like a, a continuous interest and uh, it's it's something that I think a lot of people who are working in small enterprises get to understand when they're working with clients, you know, who they may take two weeks to respond to an email, whereas like in, in the SME uh, zone, you know, everything is, is, is quite quick. Then again, also there's, there is times where the things are very quick and urgent in Atos and uh, for today, for example, we're working on a very big project that was just announced this morning and has to be done by this evening. So <laughs> I am looking forward to attacking that very soon. But um, yeah, this for me is it's, it's something interesting about the, you know, it's like, again, it's like a kind of human condition thing where uh, it's like the attention that you have to put inside and outside. It's also this thing, some things take a long time. Uh, and so you can be, you can have very ambitious ideas about how quickly you're going to do X or Y. Um, and then in the context of actually getting it done, definition of done, Neil, definition of done, you often mention, um, it's, it's interesting to think like, well, how long will it really take you to, to write this, uh, to write this paper about, um, the uh, e-learning company you're working with? 
oh, it's going to take me two days. You know, well, actually, it took me it took me two weeks, probably two months, if I come to think of it. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the, some of the moving parts and the complexity of the moving parts and the enormity of the organization adds to that sort of inertia. But at the same time, one of the reasons that keeps me really engaged in, in, in and wanting to work in large organizations is that like an oil tanker, that has inertia. But if you consider the sort of accessibility people to be the, the tugboats, you know, it, it's these little things that move, start moving this enormous thing with a great deal of inertia. But once that that movement starts, it becomes inexorable and you can't stop it. So, so I think it's that sort of, yes, you need some patience to, 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 to work in these large and complex and frustrating organizations, but you can have some, some significant impact at scale. And, and I think it's the scale that excites me and keeps me, yeah. keeps me engaged when you're sort of sort of twiddling your thumbs and saying, come on, come on, this should only be like three minutes. And it's definitely it's necessary that now. big organizations yeah. get on board for the world to change. I think yeah. without companies at all size getting on board with this field, um, the big change won't happen. So it's, it's totally necessary. Excellent. Hey, so we've reached the uh, end of our time. So thank you so much, John. I need to also thank my clear text for helping keep us captioned and, and remind people that, if they want to keep us on air, uh, we have a GoFundMe and we also have a Patreon. So um, check it out. And we really look forward to you joining us on Twitter. Thank you very much. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Deborah.